Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Black woman. Beautiful. Powerful. Resilient female of African descent with skin kissed by the sun. Conversation. A talk, especially an informal one, between two or more people in which news and ideas are exchanged. We love being black women. Black women are ambitious. Black women are confident. Black women are diligent. We are tenacious. We walk out of our houses put together. We are many shades and personalities of fabulous. But we as black women don't talk about our dilemmas, current events, and what's going on every day that affects us. So we created this podcast as a way to laugh together, cry together, and have an open conversation about life as black women. Oh, that's deep. Black Women Conversations. Hey, Nicole. Hey, Janine. How's your week been? You know, I actually have to sit back and think about how has the week been. It's been busy. I mean, it's been, I feel like time has just, flown by. This is the second week of September already. And yeah, I don't, the month is going to just fly by. I just, I feel it already. Like I have so much stuff to do this week. I'm going out of town to Houston on Wednesday. It's just a lot going on. The following weekend, Harrison is on fall break. Like who gets a fall break in September, right? Like they just literally started school and now I have to plan something for fall. And of course, I'm that mom who has not confirmed plans yet, right? All the other moms in the little group, me, like, oh, we're going to Orlando. Oh, we're going on a Disney cruise. What are you guys doing? I don't know. We just started school less than a month ago. And now I have to really think about what I'm going to do for fall break. That's coming up in two weeks. I don't know. I mean, I'm good for like throwing off, like pulling off a vacation really quickly. And Harrison is very ready to go on vacation, but I have so much stuff to do. I've had so much stuff to do. And I felt like, I feel like I just took him on like two or three vacations this summer. And now I have to spend more money and take him somewhere else and take off days of work again. I don't know. I'm just, um, everything's a blur. Like the whole September is a blur. And I know our listeners know we usually record on Sundays. This is Sunday. You guys will hear us on Thursday. But yeah, this, these first 10 days, I'm telling you, it's been, I just can't believe we're in the second week of September. That's all I have to say. So I don't know, but I can tell you, I know I've been busy. I don't know what I did. I was busy. That's fair. But I don't think that just because you have the children have a fall break means that you need to plan a vacation. I think it could just be like, R&R, like maybe a staycation, maybe like a couple of play dates. Like that's a really big like ask to say, one, you have to take off from work and figure out what to do with your kids, but then have to go on a vacation and then a fall break. And then as soon as they come back from fall break, it's going to be like trying to find a Halloween costume. Then it's winter break. I mean, 
look, I get it, but that's a lot. That feels like a lot of pressure. Reason number like 4,778 that Janine doesn't have children. Well, Janine, that's not a reason not to have children, but uh, it is a lot of pressure. It is. I mean, Harrison has fought, has, you know, play dates just for like random fun, like a random weekend play date. Like every weekend is a play date. So he is, he has literally said, I'm ready to go on vacation. It is a lot of pressure and I can't just set up play dates with other children whose parents haven't planned anything for them either. Come on. Like all of his like close friends are doing something. Y'all, I'm telling you, between this baby and this job, I'm getting worn out. That's a lot. That's a lot of responsibilities, girl. So, Janine, so what have you done? Maybe you can figure out some tangible things that you've done this past week. <laughs> um, I wish I could. I worked like you. But actually, we hosted um, an event called MelaninCon. So it was actually pretty dope. And um, our network was one of the sponsors of the event. So it was it was a pretty dope event where a bunch of amazing Black people came together. I'm not even going to say Black people because I'm just going to say people of color because that's really what it was. It was a bunch of people of color who came together to like just celebrate life and diversity and all of all of the things, you know, all of the things that make us all amazing people. Um, but guess who I saw this weekend? Who, girl? Who you saw? Do you remember Sue from Chicago? Oh, yeah. Crazy Sue from Xavier. <laughs> yes. Shout out to Sue. So she came and we didn't, we didn't really get to spend a whole bunch of time together. But like, when I tell you she is exactly the same, like, it was so good to see her because she literally has been exactly the same. Like, if. If you didn't know us, you would have thought that we were still freshmen in Xavier. I mean, it was like, it was like we just picked up right where we left off. So yeah, I got to see Sue. It was awesome. So I did that. That is that is one tangible thing that I can say that I did this week. Well, you know, I I love Sue, and she does keep up um, with pretty much everybody on social media. And you're right, she is still the same crazy person. And uh, but she's looking good on her social. I don't. I haven't seen her in person in a while. She looks exactly the same. She okay. looks great. So, Janine, oh, wait, wait, wait. We got to ask our listeners how they've been doing. How are you guys doing? Did y'all catch up on the first season premiere episode? We hope that you have by now. And we hope you shared it with your friends, too. Please share us with your friends. Rate, review, subscribe. All right, Janine, what's on our timeline this week? Okay, girl. It's ironic because you just gave us a little a little bit of a like insight to to this timeline topic and I don't think that you even knew it. So this week what's on our timeline comes from our friend in our head. He goes by Kenny Yance on the gram, but we know him as Kenny Williams. So we're going to refer to him as Kenny. So it's from a piece that he actually wrote for Insider's Business and it's about the new standard of work. And what we should be expecting and really just getting from these here jobs that we uh, work every day or a lot of uh, the days of our life. So Kenny pointed out that he's had three jobs in a single year because, quote, he didn't want to waste his time being miserable. And get this, Kenny, who is a millennial like you and I are, Nicole, thinks that Gen Z is to thank for um, setting this new standard of business. 
Now, business the business owner, like manager, department head, Janine is kind of skeptical of this concept, but the leader, mentor, and employee, Janine, um, is kind of in agreement with this concept. So here we go. Kenny did preface his piece by saying that he realizes that no workplace is perfect, but there are some base level requirements that companies must have in order for them to be acceptable places to him. So important factors are things like care and concern about employees' mental health and wellness, um, and then leaders who don't shy away from conversations in the difficult times because, you know, all businesses go through difficult times, which he points out. But it's more about the transparency that's important than not going through the difficult times. So while these are, in fact, very important um, factors when you're looking for and or deciding whether you want to continue to work at a place, um, traditionally, even when companies have not met these standards or even when the work culture was actually downright unacceptable, we would just generally, traditionally, we have generally just stuck with the position. We stick with the job because, you know, that's what you're supposed to do, at least for a year or two. And so you stick with it because you don't want it to appear that you go hopping from job to job and you don't want a resume full of places that you worked for a couple of months. Now, that's the professionalism that we are used to. That's kind of what we were taught. That's what Kenny was taught. He notes it in his in his piece. But that's changed. And what's acceptable has changed. And what an acceptable candidate looks like has also changed. And Kenny is among those, like myself, that attribute that change to Gen Z because they have been characterized as job hoppers. Now, it is much more acceptable to change jobs a little more frequently and, you know, make adjustments within that job when necessary. But Kenny does caution against accepting a job with the intention of quitting because, you know, that's not really what he's saying that he did. He's saying that he got the job full on intending that he was going to stay at this said job, but it just didn't work out for him. It wasn't the job for him. When he got there, he realized that the culture wasn't what he thought it was, right? And so because it wasn't, he decided to move on. As he put it, he realized what's important and when it's important to pivot and how important pivoting really genuinely is. So he says you really shouldn't quit a job or he he doesn't start a job with the intentions of quitting, but he also kind of puts the onus back onto the companies um, and saying that basically they genuinely need to be invested in their employees' well-being in order for them to retain employees. Because these days, if you're not providing benefits to your employees, and by benefits, I'm not referring to like 401k, healthcare, you know, paid vacation. Those aren't the benefits that we're looking for. That's not what they're, the, the people are looking for. If you're not providing benefits to your employees, you will have a very difficult time retaining those employees, especially the employees that are younger. So the end of the millennials and the beginning of the Gen Zs. So Nicole, I actually kind of agree with Kenny. Um, and I'm, 
really here for the shift in the the paradigm of of work culture because you know before it was always the employer or the company always had the upper hand and the employees kind of were just happy to get a check every week, right? And then that's when we got into the whole world of unions and it's like, oh, there's someone to protect the employees. And now the paradigm has really shifted and the employees have really like harnessed their power and said, oh, okay, you know what? If you're not going to create an environment where we want to come every day, we're not going to come. We're going to go find someplace else to go. I agree with this. I agree with this, what I'm going to call new era of professionalism. What do you think, Nicole? I'm with it. I just feel like now that I, because I've job hopped a little bit too. You know, I started out 2016 in Indianapolis, stayed there for three years, moved to Houston, stayed there for three years, and now I'm in Atlanta. And hopefully Atlanta will be my permanent home. But when I tell you I know how to sell a house and move, I, I know how to sell a house. Like people are like, I have a house there. I'm like, houses can be sold. That's what they're meant to, to be. They're meant to be sold, right? You build equity in a house, you sell it, you make a little bit of a profit, you put that money on another house, okay? That's how houses are sold and that's how you get your down payment for your, your next house. Like it doesn't scare me to sell a house and move. It scares some people, but it definitely doesn't scare me. It doesn't scare me to hire a moving company and move cross country. Like I will do that in a second if I'm not happy. But it took me going to the second job for me to realize like this is not for like I can't do this forever. And realize like when you're working, that is what you plan to do forever. And so if you're not going to be doing that forever, you need to be mapping your next move, right? Like if your ultimate goal is to be like here, like, oh, I want to be, I don't know, Surgeon General. You need to map your way to be Surgeon General. So you know that's not your permanent job. Your permanent job is the end goal, right? Of being Surgeon General. So not saying I want to be Surgeon General. That's not my goal, y'all, while I'm throwing that in the atmosphere. But just know that you have to move around a bit to get to where you want to go. Uh, I'm very clear on that. Um, I hope that Atlanta is my permanent home because being a division director was a long-term goal of mine. I did not think I was going to reach that goal at 40. I thought I would reach it more along the lines of like 50 or 55, right? But it's there now. And so when you get to a goal, it's sort of like, do you settle with that same goal for 25 years or do you create a new goal, right? And so you create new goals And based on the new goals, it's like, do you need to move the city? Do you need to move out of that job that you have to go to another job? And if you're not happy, even if you thought that that was your job, because I believe he said he thought this was his dream job, your dream job can look different than the dream, right? Like you have something in your head and then you get there and you're like, oh, wait a minute, uh -uh, that's not what I really wanted. It is okay to not like it and change your mind. Right now, I will say, like he said, don't start a job knowing that you're going to quit. I definitely agree with that. I feel like people that get a job knowing that they're like planning to start a new job in a month, like that's just a waste of everybody's time, right? Like you're going to go through training and do all the things that you need to do to get set up in that job and then leave it a month. Like why, why waste your time? Just wait until you get a job that you actually can sustain for, you know, 
at least a couple of months to see if you like it. Um, but plan on being there for the long run. I don't waste my time like that. I'm not going to get like a, a micro job unless it's like a PRN part-time job. But I'm not going to get a job just to say I'm waiting for a new job. That's that's not me. Everybody's a little bit different with that. But um, But I agree. I don't get a job to quit. But I definitely think that you can't assume... You can't allow people to assume that you are okay and and allow you to just stand for anything in a job. Why sit there and be unhappy? So I, I agree. The Gen Zers have set us off and allowed us to say, you know what? Be ready to pivot. And my personal advice is always have a backup plan. Like until you know that you are definitely comfortable and you have your seated place within that job or that business or that company or whatever you work, have a backup plan. Like always be one foot out the door, like ready, right? So if you leave today, if you lose your job today, if COVID happens today, if they shut you down and call you non-essential today, what are you going to do with your life? And I think it's scary if people don't know the answer to that. Like what are you going to do if this one thing fails? If my hospital system shuts down right now, what am I going to do, right? I also think it's scary, you know, because he's talking about hopping jobs in three years. I'm wondering how the job hop eventually gets him to his long-term goal. I think it's scary when people don't have a long-term goal. Like, what's the future outlook? Like, what do you plan to do in 10 years? Is it If it's that, that's fine. But if it's not that, like... What you, what you doing? What are you doing? That's just me. And, and I know I'm a planner and people, that's a blessing and a curse to be a planner like that. But I do think it's something to be said that you're not having any direction in your career because you don't know what your long-term end goal is. Not saying that it has to be a perfect path, but working towards something even if you start working toward the thing that you thought would be your end goal, and then you say, wait a minute, wait a minute, that's not where I want to go. So before I get to that, let me pivot and go this other way because I feel like that's a better direction for me. It's okay to pivot, but know what you're pivoting to or away from is my advice. I agree, but then I just thought about it. I'm like, I don't know that I would know what to do. Like, I know that I have a goal and I know that, you know, what I want to do with my career. And I know where I want my career to go, but I don't know if I couldn't do what I do now, what would I be doing? I don't know. Maybe like contract reviewing or something. I have no idea. Um, I know what my pivots within my current career would be. Like I know if I could do the same, like have the same skill set and I could go along the same trajectory where I would go from here. But I don't know, like if I could not plan events anymore, what would I do for a living? I don't know, girl, marketing or something. I'm good at that. Like I have, you know, a degree in that. But like, <sighs> truth is, I really don't know what else I would do. I can't imagine doing anything else, like a like a complete career change. I can't. Says the girl that just pivoted to another job, like doing something completely different. Okay. Like Jenny was over marketing promotions. And now you're like planning. Like Janine has done a major career rehaul. Like you just rebranded your whole entire trajectory. So 
don't listen to the lie that Janine is telling you. She knows exactly how to pivot and she knows how to create opportunities. And I'm not saying that you have to know exactly what you want to do because truth be told, I don't know exactly what I want to do, right? But I do think that it's something to put some thought into growth and and having an open mindset and, hey, if this opportunity comes my way, I could see myself doing this. Maybe I would be good at this. Hey, I want to get there. Maybe I need to get some training in this said thing. You know, I think there's something to be said about that. It scares me when people can't tell me, what do you want to do? Like, what is your lifelong goal? That scares me. You don't have to tell me exactly how you're going to get there. But like, you've thought about like, what exactly you want to do. And maybe the thing that is your goal, Janine, is what you're doing. Maybe you're so happy right now in the career that you have that you're like, I'm comfortable right now. And, and I think that people do get in those comfortable places, right? Like things are going well, you're moving and grooving, you're in a leadership position, you have the respect that you need, you have the autonomy that you need, and you're comfortable, right? There's something to be said about being comfortable. Like right now, I'm comfortable. I feel like I'm climbing up a hill, but I have the autonomy that I want. And because of that, I'm very comfortable. But... Then when another opportunity comes your way, you have to recognize that, one, this is another opportunity. Is it time for me to get outside of my comfort zone so that I can grow? Or do I stay put with where I am? So recognizing opportunities. And I would argue, Janine, that you were in a place that you were bossing it, Okay. You were bossing it. You were planning everything. You were doing all these events and you had the respect of your colleagues. And then this other opportunity came your way and you had to make a decision to pivot somewhere that you did not know if you were going to be as comfortable. So it took you out of a place of comfort to a place of being temporarily uncomfortable to allow for growth. I think that that's very true. I, but Nicole, you know what, to your point is that I have made that pivot. So I don't know what that next pivot would be, but I do have a retirement plan. And I don't mean like a 401k. I mean like a plan for before I plan on retiring, this is what I would like to be doing so that I can have work for longer and not work that I want to do every day, but like I would like to employ people for longer Cause it's not like I have any kids or anything. So I have to leave something behind. So I would like to, you know, I have a plan for that. So I don't know. I don't know. Maybe my next pivot is retirement and figuring out what I'm going to do. Who knows? Well, I thought our retirement plan was your, your executive husband getting us in the limelight so that we can retire off. Oh, that's deep. I'm just going to speak it. I'm going to speak it into the atmosphere. I just threw it out there. Yes, I I agree. We can retire off of oh, that's deep. But you know what Janine does not want to do? What this job has taught Janine that she doesn't want to do? I don't I don't need to be in the limelight. I love y'all. I really do love y'all. I love you too, Nicole. I love everybody. But you know what's a lot to deal with is when someone walks up to you and speaks to you and you have no idea who they are. Because I really pride myself being in the in the event and hospitality and even marketing, like, you know, in the industry, you, it's all about relationships, right? So I pride myself on knowing 
people and remembering them and remembering how I know them and the conversations I've had with them and so on and so forth. So when someone walks up to you as if they know you, and it's not a negative thing, right? They walk up to you because of the familiarity that they have, but then you're like, oh, I'm sorry. Like I find myself apologizing a lot. Like, I'm sorry. I Give me your name again. And they're like, oh, we've never met before. It's just like they've seen on social media or they've seen, you know, they know me because they knew of me from other people. So that's the one thing that I, I probably would struggle with for that career path, Nicole. But yeah, other than that, yeah. Hey, hey, y'all, we would love to, you know, be out and about and make money off of this. It would be great. And then we can retire. A regular Joe Smo and still not remember people who cross your path. Think about it. When we go to the, when we go to like high school reunions, I mean, there are literally people that I look at and I say, dang, I know who that is. Who is this person? Right. There are people that I've done like one consult with at work that will remember my name. And I won't remember that because I've only seen them one time. We're human. And when I say limelight, you know, most podcast hosts are not like in the limelight, right? They're just sort of like low-key sharing our opinions. We want to be low-key limelighters. <laughs> Let's say that. Yes, I'm here for the low-key limelighting. I love it. All right, Jenny. So are you ready to talk through some of these letters from our listeners? Absolutely. Let's do it. All right. So our first letter reads, Nicole and Janine, I thought I was miserable at my job because I felt as if I was always bored. I was working for a startup tech development company as a managerial assistant, which involves scheduling business meetings, answering the phone, screening and returning emails and attending some meetings and taking notes. I was really bored. As a single mom of a six-year-old over the summer, since we weren't really that busy, I didn't understand why I couldn't just work my job from home. Sitting there was just not a good use of my time, but the position paid well, so I couldn't really complain. The company has gotten busier now, but I still didn't like the unpredictability of the meetings during work hours, so I looked for a job, this time with the VA as an office assistant. The VA system takes a really long time for background checks, so after I told others in the office who were also complaining about being bored that I got hired at the VA, it took another month for me to actually get cleared to work there. I've now been working at the VA as an office assistant with the Disability Compensation Claims Division for three months now, and this is worse than I thought. I'm getting paid about the same amount of money, but I'm working 10 times as hard. Plus, applicants constantly call and complain all day long about how long the process is taking for them to get answers about their disability claims. It's emotionally draining to have to have people constantly calling and complaining. Now I wish I had never quit my previous job. I realized I actually had it good. Ladies, should I approach my old boss about coming back? If so, what should I say? Sign Nalea. Okay, Nalea. Um, yeah, I'm all about not circling the block. It's just it's just the principle of it for me. I'm I'm not circling the block for the same company in the same position unless it's the absolute last resort. And I'm all also about 
not necessarily jumping out of the frying pan and into the fire, but you're in, you're in the fire now, right? You don't like it. It's a great job, but you're working twice as hard. Understood, right? So, Nalea, in the meantime, because you just started this job, essentially, um, figure out how you can make change, right? Yes, you're working twice as hard. Yes, you know, it is a system. It's a government system. It's a lot. But figure out what you can do to make change in your work environment. Just little things that you can do, right? Maybe it's that, you know, yes, it takes so long, but maybe it's that there's somebody that just answers the complaints, right? Or maybe it's that, hey, you know, someone answers the complaints from this hour to this hour because you said that it's emotionally taxing and it's emotionally draining. And that's important you don't want to be someplace where you're miserable, right? Like you don't want to be someplace where it drains you emotionally and then you don't have anything left for your real life outside of work. So my suggestion would be, why don't we do this? Why don't we take some time and figure out what the problems are? What is draining you from this job? And see if there are anything, any things that you can put in place, any things that you can suggest to be put in place, anything that you can do to make your current work environment better. And while you're doing that, I would also be looking for another job, but not at the same place where you just came from. I wouldn't circle the block on the job unless that's the only option that you have. Now, your mental health is important, but imagine what your mental health is going to be like when you're back at the same place with the same people where you were before, but now you just went to another place with a job that didn't work out. Eh. I don't know. That's up to you. I personally wouldn't do it. It's just me. It's like a relationship. You left for a reason. No need to go back. Keep on keep on courting these other jobs until you find what the job that's right for you. That's just my opinion. What do you think, Nicole? Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. So, um, I don't know. This one is challenging for me. Because, uh, one, I was reading the letter and I was thinking... I wonder if Nalea is like 26, right? Like this is something 26 year olds do. No, no knock if you're 26 and you're a listener to the podcast. We appreciate you listening. But let me tell you, as women in their 40s, we know that this is probably somebody that's less than 30. Why? Because you are complaining. You were complaining about getting paid to be bored. Like, I don't understand that. Like, I wish I had a day to be bored. Because you know what I would do? All of the things that I have to do at home would be done at work, right? Like I would be posting on social media while I'm at work on somebody's break, not on your work, not on your work computer, but from your cell phone, for sure, I would have all that done. All the appointments I needed to make, my dental appointment, my mammogram appointment, all that scheduled, okay? Setting up play dates for Harrison, Done. I've done the, I, I bought the tickets. Everybody cash at me back. Okay. I would get done all the things that I have to do outside of work 
during my downtime at work. Now, obviously, I would not let it interfere with my work. But if you're saying you're bored, y'all sitting up there cackling about how bored y'all are because you're working for a startup company. Um, I, I I would not. People that are 40 don't complain about that kind of stuff. We we embrace that kind of stuff because we got too much stuff going on to be complaining about being bored at work. Okay, so that's why I say, okay, this person must be like 25, 26. Because <laughs> let me be bored. Jesus, can I have a bored day? Can I have a day that I'm bored at work? Just give me one, Jesus. It it doesn't happen. Okay, it doesn't happen. So uh, so I think that there is something that's big though about recognizing your own faults in it, right? So she said, you know, I actually think I had it good. I realized that. Um, That to me shows growth, right? It shows that she at least can evaluate the situation and isn't too like proud to say she made a mistake. So that's why I'm I'm struggling with it a a bit. Um, I do think that, if you don't know exactly what you want to do, like you don't have a long-term goal, then I think you should get you one, right? Like I think you should really keep this job for now, work it to the best of your ability. But when you get off after your, I can't forget, oh, cause she said six-year-old, after your six-year-old goes down to sleep, really reflect and say, what do I want my life to look like? What do I want to do 10 years from now, Right. And if you know, if you think you want to be developing apps and doing something that involves like IT stuff, then maybe you should go back to the same company. Maybe that is your way to grow up that path. And the way I would approach it is I would email my supervisor or my boss or the owner or whoever and say, hey, um, can I have a conversation? And I would explain, hey, listen, I um, really think that the company, now that I am not there, now that I've taken a step away from the company, I realized that this was a better fit for me and I made a mistake by leaving. I mean, own it. Like I made a mistake by leaving. I think this was a better fit for me. Um, Will you allow me the opportunity to come back? And these are my goals. And this is why I want to come back. I mean, you have to have a reason to want to go back to the same thing. You know, hey, I really want to shadow you. This is my ultimate goal. Uh, will you allow me to come back in some capacity with the company? You can say that, okay? If you think that that former company, after reflection, aligns with where you want to go long term, okay? Because I do think it's something to be said about people that are mature enough to own what they did wrong and pivot and go and and go back to then go up again right now i'm saying that but i've never done that and i'm i i have done the janine thing but i have had situations where i wish i would have done that right so i don't go backwards i don't go back to ex-boyfriend well i've done that once and that was a mistake i don't but for the most part i don't go back to old boyfriends i learned from that one time i won't do, do it again i um I don't go back to old jobs, but I tell you what, the job that I had, and I'm going to say it, the job that I had in Indianapolis was my first real job. I built that division from the ground up and I worked like a dog and I didn't think that people saw me because realistically they didn't. They did not see my struggle because they didn't know what I did, right? I was the only person in the system that was a high-risk specialist and they paid me well. 
but I felt like I was, I was undervalued. And so I left. Now, what I should have done is taken a look and maybe I should have gone back because the system in itself is actually a really good health system. It's just that sometimes it takes you leaving for someone to appreciate what they had. Now, I could have gone back. I chose not to go back and I chose to keep moving forward. Now, do I do I um, regret not going back? Well, no, but sometimes I think maybe that would have gotten me a little bit closer to my ultimate job if I would have pivoted and gone back, okay? But I didn't, and I, I'm, I'm blessed to have the position I have now, but I do think about it. Now, if you don't know what it is you want to do and you don't know how that job aligns, then you don't need to, to, to circle back. So it really depends to me on what your long-term goal is and how that former goal aligns with your long-term goal. And if you haven't thought about your long-term goal before you just job hopping, you need to figure that out. And I think that will tell you what your next move is going to be. Now, if you're somebody that burned bridges, you were talking smack about the company and you were telling everybody, I'm leaving anyway, I'm leaving. Ah, don't, don't circle back, okay? Because the supervisor is not going to trust you. They're not going to like you. You've been, you, you were slacking at the end. Like if you're one of those people, then you can't circle back, okay? Don't even embarrass yourself and try to circle back. But if you're somebody that tried to keep your new position under wraps, which I don't know if that was because you said you were telling people about it a month before and took a month for you to get cleared. Okay, I don't know how you told people or who you told, but if you were talking smack and you were taking long lunch breaks right before you got out of there and you left stuff on the table unplanned, then you cannot be somebody that circles back, okay? Now, for me, I know I told you my story about how I had, didn't circle back, but I maybe should have. But when I tell you I didn't leave nothing undone, baby, I worked that job and, and made them realize when I walked out of there that they were going to miss me, okay? But if you are not a person that walked out like they're going to miss me and you were messing stuff up, don't don't even waste your time circling back. That's real. Every job that I've left, they missed me when I was gone. And, you know, look, they might not say that they miss you, but you can tell. You know when people miss you when you're gone because things are different. Things operate different. Things change. They, you know, you know, they call you. They do because they need you. <sighs> but I digress. I'm going to move on to our next letter. This one says, Nicole and Janine. I feel like I know you. Hey, girl. Hey. Um, then it says, anyway, I just need someone to give me good girlfriend slash business advice. And I know that y'all will give it to me. So two years ago, I retired from the military and became a franchise franchisee of a food chain. While I love being in charge of my own future, I'm beginning to regret this decision because it's almost impossible to retain employees. I've only been open for two years and I only have two of the 65 employees that have been with me from the beginning. I am starting to regret this decision because I spend 90% of my time hiring. Again, I love the freedom and honestly love the franchise. I just really can't deal with the high turnover rate. Here's my question. Should I let this franchise go 
or should I stick it out? And if I do, how do I handle this turnover? Signed, Tina. Ooh, Tina. You know, my ex-husband and I uh, owned a franchise um, that was a restaurant. And I tell you, it's hard. And depending on what kind of business or cor- like what field you were working in before, it may be surprising. But if you work in um, in restaurants, you know that there's just a high turnover in restaurants. Why? Because you have people that are working on hourly wages. I don't know if you're you are a high-end restaurant or not, if they're working on tips or not, but you got to realize you have a lot of people who are just starting their their jobs and not even careers. They're just starting their jobs. Like they're college students, sometimes even part-time high school students um, who might have to take off at the very last minute because they have to study for a test because young people haven't figured out how to plan their lives in advance, even though they have a syllabus in front of them that tells them exactly when test days are. They haven't figured that kind of stuff out yet. Um, they get nervous and you know overwhelmed by things that People that are older don't get overwhelmed by. So they may at the last minute have to take off. They don't work well when they are under the weather. Okay. Like even a headache may make them take off. Uh, People that are older don't do that kind of stuff. The restaurant business has young employees. So if you're going to work in the restaurant business, you have to understand the turnover is constant. Keep applications on file constantly because you may have to hire somebody that needs to start next week. That's just what it is. You keep those applications and you tell them, I'll call you when when we have a job available. And nine times out of 10 in the next three months, you will have a job available. Okay. That is just what it is. Now, the question is, if you like the franchise, why are you talking about getting out of it? Is it getting out of, of restaurants altogether? Because if it's just not for you, it's not for you and sell it make a profit, right? It sounds like you're profitable. It sounds like you've been open for two years. So you passed the one year mark. That's great. If you've broken even, yeah, you can sell it, make a little profit and move on about your business. But if you're talking about selling this one franchise to start something else in the same field, why are you going to start the headache over, right? The first year, really the first three years, But the first year is crucial when it comes to opening up a franchise, especially one that's a restaurant, right? You got to get protocols established. You got to get inventory. You got to hire people and you have to gain people's trust and they have to gain yours, right? So starting over altogether to then start another, because franchises, they come with fees, okay? You have to buy the license for a franchise, which is going to be, Anywhere from $50,000 for the license itself to, you know, $900,000 if you're buying a McDonald's franchise. So that's a lot of money to invest to say two years later, you're going to close it down. Not include the cost of the build out. I mean, that's a lot of money. And if you're doing well, but the only thing you don't like is managing people, hire a manager, get them to manage the people. Okay. Okay. Get them to hire and fire the people and you just deal with the day-to-day operations. You don't have to be the person that's managing the people. You should have somebody that is in a managerial position anyway. Even if you're like an owner-operator, you should still have some second-in-command. Delegate that responsibility to somebody else if you don't like to do it. But if you're breaking even and you love what you do and you love what the franchise stands for, then why get out of it? I'm confused. 
So I think the solution is to let somebody else do the dirty work that you don't like. And since you're the owner, you can do that and keep your franchise intact, which means that you're not throwing away money. Let me tell you, closing a franchise within two years is literally like taking all the money that you invested and like flushing it, tearing it up and throwing it down the drain. That's silly if you are being profitable. Okay, so I agree with you, Nicole. So let me say this. You already know, Tina, because you you wrote us at the end. And there was just something that I caught at that end, end of your letter. And you said, should you let the franchise go or should you stick stick it out? And if so, how do you handle this turnover? Okay, so you already knew that we were going to say that you needed to stick this out. Because to Nicole's point, why would you dump your money down the toilet? Like, you, this is your retirement. You've retired from the military. So... We're going to we're not going to tell you to dump the franchise. So, yeah, stick it out. So that's why you're asking us how to handle it. So we're not telling you to get rid of it. Stick this thing out. And let me be very clear. This is your retirement plan. And as such, don't let anyone run you out of your business and what you had planned for your future. We already know that people are flaky. And to your To Nicole's point, the restaurant industry, the food service industry has a naturally high turnover rate. So some of this is due to the industry that you decided to become a franchisee in. And some of this is probably due to the fact that, you know, what Kenny said, there's this new level of professionalism and people are expecting things that, you know, traditionally they haven't been expecting from their employer. So people, if they don't get those things, right or wrong, they often leave, right? So you have to be mindful that there's just a naturally high turnover rate, right? And then you also have to be mindful that, hey, look, these people aren't putting up with the same things that they would have put up with before. So you might not like what I'm about to say, but I just want you to do, just hear me out for a second. This isn't like the military, right? And we all have to be mindful that the military is very strict. It's very stringent. And people stay in the military typically for 20 years and then they retire or they make you know a career out of the military or they stay in for however long their contract is, right? Once you're in the military, you know that there are only certain points that you can get out, at least get out in, in good graces, right? Get out without be, having gone AWOL or having, you know, having some negative um, mark on your career. So in the military, it's very regimented and for a reason, obviously, but the military, the government, it's not like that. Like people typically work 20, 40 said term in the government or in the military, and then they leave. So if that's kind of what you're looking for, that's not really what it's like in the civilian world at all. Not even in the government these days. I know people who leave government jobs now. Like, you know, I'm in D.C. There are people who leave government jobs now. Those are the jobs where people, I mean, you have to basically like burn the building down to get fired, right? But people leave those jobs because they're like, look, I'm not happy here. It's not fulfilling to me. I'm bored I want to do something else. This is not what I thought that my career trajectory would look like. So if the mindset that you 
were working with when you were in the military is the same mindset that you have now, it's going to be just a tad bit different than, you know, than what you're used to. And then also, I want you to take a little bit of introspective look, look for a second, right? You were in the military. How many, be honest with yourself, how many of the practices, the regimens, the way that you operate, how much of that have you brought over to this new franchise that you are, that you own? Like, really, I want you to ask yourself that because it's a, it takes a very special type of person to operate in a high level of efficiency in the military. It does. And it doesn't necessarily, I mean, let's be honest, the, the environment of the military isn't really that conducive to great mental health either. It's super structured. And while it, it lends towards what the military is good for, it doesn't necessarily lend to making a great work environment. So just ask yourself, and I'm not saying that you did this, but I'm I'm saying just ask yourself, have you taken some of those military characteristics and brought them over to your franchise? And if you have, I would say what characteristics that you took over were positive and maybe kind of evaluate what may not be working, because that might be the reason why some people might be, you know, checking out real quick. And then I would also look within your establishment and see who is capable of being your number two. Because look, you own this franchise now, right? And it's your responsibility to run this. Find a number two. If if hiring isn't really your strong suit, find somebody who can be your number two and do the hiring for you. Now, I'm not saying to, you know, take your hands off of it completely. I would say keep a pulse on the hiring But I would say if that's not what you're into and you don't really like that aspect of your, you know, role as a franchisee, you can delegate that, delegate that to someone else and focus on the things that you are into and focus on the things that do make you happy and do spark joy. You know, girl, you, you own the, you own the place. Why, why are you torturing yourself with things that you don't really want to do? Find, find yourself as number two. I think that'll solve a lot of these, a lot of these issues. All right, Jenny. So what did you learn new this week? Okay. So because, you know, we have kind of blamed, I would say it's positive, but we'll use the word blame. We've kind of blamed um, this Gen Z generation for changing everything and changing all of the professionalism and characteristics you know, we all we all know that Gen Z has kind of gotten the reputation of being the job hoppers, right? But I was curious as to what our generation and the generation before us, what what we're known for. So I looked up the characteristics of the millennials in the workplace, and this came from Indeed. So for us, for millennials, we value meaningful motivation in the workplace. So we want to have some motivation that's outside of our paycheck. Um, we don't actually really appreciate the hierarchy, the hierarchical status quo. So we just want to everyone to just kind of take responsibility for the things that they're responsible for. We don't really care about the position as much as we care about being accountable. Um, and we place a lot of importance on our relationship with our superiors. Um, we're into we have an intuitive knowledge of technology. Um, we are open and adaptive to change and we place more importance on tasks rather than the time it takes to complete the tasks. So 
we are very focused on what the outcome is at the end rather than how long it took us to do it. Um, we have a passion for learning. We are receptive to feedback and recognition. And we are free thinkers and tend to be very creative. And we value teamwork and social interaction within the workplace. Now, Gen X, the generation before us, their characteristics list is a little bit shorter, but they tend to be independent. They tend to value a work-life balance. They tend to be flexible and sometimes informal. And technology, they adapt to it. So they're the first generation that, you know, kind of went from analog to digital. So they're not really as intuitive about technology as, as we are, but they're adaptive to technology. So I found it interesting that it's a little little bit different from generation to generation. What did you learn new this week, Nicole? So it's funny that I also saw some of that information and um, talking about generations. I did not know that people that are born after 2010, they're the alpha generation. Who knew that? I didn't know that. And they're babies right now. So they're still developing what their characteristics are. But another thing that I learned is that because of the pandemic, or they're blaming on the pandemic, over the course of 2021, 47 million people quit their jobs. 23% of the U.S. workforce, according to the Bureau of Statistics. Ain't that something? That's shocking, but but believable. Because let me tell you something the pandemic taught you. The pandemic taught you that in the blink of an eye, it could all be gone. And your job, when I mean, think about how the pandemic sh- like shifted the paradigm in the workforce, right? So in the pandemic, all of a sudden, the low-paid employees all of a sudden were super essential. And the people that were making decisions and being paid to think, so to speak, were maybe not as essential, right? And all of a sudden, you know, the the nurses and doctors and the people who were actually on the front lines of things, we realized how important they were. I mean, not that we didn't think you all were important before, but we realized just how important they were and realized just how trivial some of the like dream jobs that we had dreamt up really were, how it wasn't really a necessity to have the job where you are maybe an influencer, right? Like, what are you influencing us to do or where are you influencing us to go? And then some influencers, it was important. It really just depended. So we really found out what was important and what wasn't in the middle of the pandemic. And we also realized that life was short and we decided that we were going to chase our dreams a little bit more because it didn't make sense to sit in that job that was unfulfilling for decades. Just saying, but that's really dope information to know. All right. Are you ready for the motivational moment? Let's do it. Uh, And it comes from, since we're in Beyonce world on the Renaissance tour, so it comes from Beyonce Knowles Carter. And she said, it is so liberating to really know what I want, what truly makes me happy, what I will not tolerate. I have learned that it is no one else's job to take care of me, but me. Until we meet again. Pray, work, slay. And show off your melanated excellence. Bye! Oh, That's Deep Black Women Conversations is produced by Nicole Lee Plenty and Janine Brunson Johnson. Executive producer, Ken Johnson. Get the Oh, That's Deep Black Women Conversation podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or where you get your podcasts. Please subscribe and rate us. You can follow Oh That's Deep Black Women Conversations on IG at Oh That's Deep 
DBWC. Oh, that's deep. Black Women Conversations is a mean old lion media production. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.